Well, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, please give your attention one more time as God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word is read in your hearing. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Well, as I said this morning, we are embarking on a small mini-series through Psalm 23. I remember when I was in seminary, I did this as a part of a summer internship. I preached the, through the entire psalm in one sitting, and you could do that, that's fine. Um, but I remember then, and what I said then applies now. This is one of those psalms that is so precious. This is one of those psalms that is so comforting. Uh, this is one of those psalms that, um, I mean, everybody knows. I mean, even unbelievers know the psalm. And as such, you know, you almost feel like, you know, are you up for the task of preaching such a precious uh, piece of, of, of Scripture, such a precious part of God's Word that brings comfort to many? Are you up for the task? And uh, to be quite honest, I don't think any, any minister of God's Word is up for the task. He has to be uh, called and filled with the Spirit in order to proclaim this. But I do this with a lot of uh, trepidation this morning. But... Um, you know, we read a little bit from John chapter 10 earlier where, you know, Jesus himself draws upon this shepherd motif that we see here in Psalm 23. And Jesus himself, of course, proclaims himself to be the great shepherd. Now, Jesus, of course, was the son of David. And David is the author of the psalm. And David himself was a shepherd. As you know, if you have read through the life of David, the shepherd motif is replete throughout Scripture. There are many scriptures that speak of God as a shepherd, as Jesus as a shepherd, as the kings of Israel as shepherds, as the priests of Israel as shepherds who are supposed to lead and guide and feed and nourish God's people. Now, we don't have any historical context as to when David wrote this. Uh, oftentimes in the Psalms, uh, you will see uh, in the superscript uh, some, some historical context. For example, if you were to just flip over to Psalm 18 as an example, this has got one of the longest superscripts of any psalm. We're there in Psalm 18, you see, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of the song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, 
So there you've got a little bit of context for that psalm. In fact, that psalm, I believe, is, is quoted almost in full in 2 Samuel chapter 22, somewhere in that range. But you have a context for that psalm. David wrote Psalm 18 after he had been delivered from the hand of his enemies, after he had been delivered from Saul who had sought his life. But like Psalm 23, and like a lot of psalms, you just have, in this case, a psalm of David. In other words, David just says, I'm the one who wrote this song. I'm the one who wrote this poem. So we have no historical context. We don't know when he wrote this. We don't know what point of his life he wrote this. Me, this is just my theory. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, take it with a grain of salt. I like to think of this as perhaps this is a psalm that David wrote later in his life as he looks back and reflects on how the Lord has been his shepherd all throughout his life. How the Lord has guided him from the fields of his father's sheepfold all the way to the throne and has delivered him out of all of these things. Perhaps he's close to death and he is looking forward to what you see in verses 5 and 6. The day that he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the context is unknown. But what we do know is that David himself was a shepherd. David was called out of his father's flock. That's where Samuel found him when he was uh, in 1 Samuel 16, when he goes to anoint the new king, a one who is, uh, uh, who is after God's own heart. And the shepherd motif, as I said, runs throughout all of Scripture as, the, as we see here that the Lord is our shepherd. And, and as we look at this psalm over the next few weeks in particular, and as we look at this today, uh, the theme I want to leave you with is that Jesus Christ is our shepherd who provides for all of our needs and leads us in his righteousness. And that's how the psalm is kind of structured. Um, it, you know, I'm looking at it in three parts in which you have uh, the shepherd motif here. You've got the Lord is our shepherd, that's verses 1 through 3. The Lord is our guide who in verse 4, and the Lord is our host in verses 5 and 6. Perhaps maybe you could say companion in verse 4. But you've got the shepherd motif in verses 1 through 3. And that's what we're going to see this morning. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. He is the one who provides for all of our needs. He is the one who leads us in his righteousness. So our sermon this morning is broken up into three parts. If Jesus Christ is our shepherd, we need to know who he is, we need to know what he provides, and we need to know where he leads. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. First, who he is. Who is our shepherd? You see that in the very first part of verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. These are the opening words of this great psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Now I'm going to look at that verb, that part of the that one sentence. I'm going to look at in three ways. I'm going to, and it depends on how I emphasize it. So first, we're going to say the Lord is my shepherd. Then we're going to look at the Lord is my shepherd, and then we're going to look at the Lord is my shepherd. So first, the Lord is our shepherd. Who is the shepherd? Who is the one who leads us, who provides for us, who, who, who is our companion through the dark valleys, who provides the, the great feast at the end uh, as we come out of that valley? Who is this shepherd? It is the Lord. The Lord here. And you see here the covenant name, L-O-R-D, uh, Yahweh, Jehovah. He is my shepherd. 
In fact, in the original Hebrew, that first phrase we're looking at is two words. The Lord, my shepherd. It's like, well, that's three words. Well, in Hebrew, it's, there's a suffix on the end that makes it two words. The Lord, my shepherd. He is my shepherd. The one who created the heavens and earth in Genesis 1.1. The one who was pre-existent. The one who has been eternal. The one who, out of nothing, created everything. That is the one who is my shepherd. The one who said, let light shine in the darkness. That is my shepherd. The one who formed the dry land out of the water and called it and, and forced the seas to retreat so the dry land appeared, who, made it, who filled it with everything, with trees and birds and fishes and, and people and animals. This is our shepherd. The one who sustains the heavens and earth by his power, as we see in Colossians 1 verse 17 or Hebrews 1 verse 3. He is the one who sustains this world. He not only called it into being, but he holds it together. If God were to, for some uh, strange reason, cease to keep the world together, everything would just fly apart and, and, and fall into non-existence. The one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. When Moses was in his exile, if you will, in the, in the wilderness of Midian, and he sees the burning bush, and he comes and, and, and inquires of it, the Lord speaks to him from the bush and says, I am the Lord your God, the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the one who is your shepherd. This one is our shepherd, the Lord who created the heavens and the earth, the Lord who sustains the heavens and the earth, the Lord who spoke to Moses. He is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, you get more of this idea of the shepherd motif here. Isaiah 40, verse 11 he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He, this is speaking of the Lord. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And in another passage of Scripture, in Ezekiel chapter 34, I've referenced this in other contexts, but in Ezekiel 34, you have the prophets speaking out against the priests of Israel because they were irresponsible shepherds. They were supposed to lead and guide and feed the people and, and teach them the truth of the Lord and they had failed in their tasks. They abused the sheep. The sheep were just a means to their own ends and the Lord calls them out. He says, you are scattering my flock. You are horrible shepherds. And then in Ezekiel 34 verses 11 and 12 for thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Because the priests of Israel were not doing their job, the Lord says, I will do it. I will gather my sheep. I will care for them. This is the one who is our shepherd. This is the one who is our shepherd. So that is, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Next, let us consider that the Lord is our shepherd. And that word there, shepherd, uh, means to tend, to pasture, to feed or graze. That's its, its verbal form. And in its noun form, it refers to a shepherd. So as we saw just a moment ago, the one who is transcendent, the one who created all things, the one who, who creates all things by the word of his power, the one who is eternally existent, who needs nothing else, who stands in need of nothing. This God is imminent. That's what the image of a shepherd is. He is imminent. He is close. Shepherds are involved. This is a very labor-intensive vocation. You can't just be a shepherd and sort of, you know, let them kind of wander on their own. You have to, you have to care for them. You have to be engaged. Sheep are needy, right? Sheep are very needy. Thus, shepherds have to be engaged. Shepherds have to get their hands dirty. Shepherds have to go out and rescue the sheep. Shepherds have to feed the sheep, care for the sheep, carry the sheep. Shepherds are engaged. In fact, it is because of how dirty and messy the vocation was that shepherds were looked at as sort of outcasts of society. They were unclean. That is why when, when Samuel goes to anoint David, or yeah, he goes to anoint David and he visits Jesse's house and he, and he looks at the previous seven sons and he's like, surely the king of Israel is among these. And when the Lord says, nope, none of them. And then he says to, to Jesse, do you have another son? It's like, well, yeah, it's the youngest one, but he's, he's out with the sheep. In other words, that was what you did, you know, you know if you were the youngest son, right? You, know, you got the, all the garbage work, right, if you were the youngest son. So you got to care for the sheep. Very engaged, very labor-intensive. Other religions have shepherd metaphors. Other religions even depict their gods or their kings as shepherds. But here we see the Lord is our shepherd. The one who is transcendent comes near and cares for us personally. The Lord is my shepherd. Thirdly, note that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. If you were to look up the other references to God as shepherd, it speaks of God as a shepherd collectively. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord shepherds Israel. The Lord is the shepherd of Jacob. But here David is making a very different statement. He's not just saying that the Lord is the shepherd of Israel. He's saying the Lord is my shepherd. He is the one who has led me through the dark valleys. He is the one who has provided for me. He is the one who has given me rest. He is the one who will anoint my head. The Lord is my shepherd. So not only is this transcendent God imminent in the shepherd motif, but now it becomes deeply personal. He is your shepherd, and your shepherd, and your shepherd, and you're all kind of blurry to me right now. Your shepherd, and your shepherd, and your shepherd, and my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Consider for a moment in Luke 15, if you remember those parables that Jesus tells to the Pharisees, Jesus is at a feast. He's at somebody's house for, for dinner or supper, as you guys say here. And in chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, we see that as Jesus speaks, tax collectors and sinners start to draw near to him. They hear the words of Jesus. They're like, this guy is speaking like nobody's spoken before. So they're, they're drawn to him. 
And as the, the sinners and the tax collectors are coming to Jesus, the Pharisees begin to grumble and murmur, like, what is he doing? He's, look who he's associating with. He's the sinners and the, yeah, the, bleh, the tax collectors, yuck. So then in verse 3 of chapter 15, he spoke this parable to them. So this is a parable to the Pharisees and the scribes. And in verses 4 through 7, you get the first of the parables here is the one of the lost sheep. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now, what I want to draw from that is that the Lord is my shepherd. What does the Lord do when one out of 100 sheep are lost? He leaves the 90 and 9 and goes to find the one, right? And if the Lord is your shepherd, you are that lost sheep at one time. And the Lord came and he found you because you were out wandering from the flock. And he's like, you, you need to come back here. I'm going to take you, put you on my shoulders and bring you back. I found my lost sheep and we're going to rejoice and have a party. Why? Because I found my lost sheep. The Lord went and looked for you individually. He is your shepherd. Pause for a moment and take this in. The Lord, in all of his glory, transcendent, he condescends, he lowers himself to be your shepherd. He takes a special interest in you. He sought you out when you were lost. He nurtures and cares for you. Whatever pain, whatever struggle you've gone through in the year 2023, and whatever you have that you're not looking forward to in 2024, know that the Lord is your shepherd. He knows you. He cares for you. He loves you. And he comforts you. In fact, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he says, I know my sheep by name. And I call them and they hear me. So that is who he is. What now does the Lord provide for us? That's the rest of verse 1 and verse 2. So because the Lord is my shepherd, what? I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I shall not want as a shepherd cares for his sheep, the Lord cares for us, for you individually, by providing for all of your needs. I shall not want. It doesn't mean I won't want anything. It means I will not lack anything. I will not be in need of anything. Why? Because all of my needs will be met. All of my needs will be met. The idea being communicated here is that the Lord provides for you so that you will not be lacking anything that you need. Psalm 34.10, Psalm 84.11, and particularly Matthew 6, verse 33. If you know that passage in Matthew 6, that's where Matthew, or Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, talks about how you know, the people of the world, they, they worry about where they're going to get their next meal, they worry about where they're going to get their clothes, they worry about this, they worry about that, and Jesus says, don't worry about these things. 
Seek first the kingdom of God, and then the Lord will provide all those things that you need on top of that. Now, I don't know about you, but there are many things that I lack. Okay, there are many things that I lack, right? Uh, if you've had children and raised children, you know you have to teach them the difference between what? Needs and wants. Children want a lot of things. We were just in Florida a few weeks back, and our three-year-old grandson, Noah, bless his dear soul, he is a three-year-old. He is a three-year-old. I want, I want, I want, 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 I want. Like, no, you don't need that. I want. And then he starts crying. Now, this child is definitely not in need of anything. His needs are well met. But we need to distinguish between needs and wants. Adults need this lesson, too. Now, I was going to mention this earlier, but when... David here says, I shall not want. This is the first of three confessions of faith that you see in this psalm. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. Because he's with me in the dark valleys, I will fear no evil. And because the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So verse 1 Verse 4, verse 6, you see these three great confessions of faith. These three great confessions of faith. I will not want, I will not fear, and I will dwell forever in the house of the Lord. In fact, David Gibson, the author of the book I'm trying to push back there, calls Psalm 23 a Hebrew version of the Heidelberg Catechism. A Hebrew version of the Heidelberg Catechism. And if you think of Lord's Day 1, question 1, right? What is your only comfort in life and death? That I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior. You can even insert there, Shepherd, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live unto him. If the Lord is your shepherd, what could you possibly want? What could you possibly be in need in? Not only does the Lord uh, solve your greatest need, which is sin, but he also provides for you all the other things that you need for body and soul. Why? Because you belong to him. He is your shepherd. You shall not want. And you see the provision here in verse 2. What does he do? He makes me lie down in green pastures. If you're using New King James, you may have a footnote there. It says, pastures of tender grass. He leads me beside the still waters or the waters of rest. Green pastures, still waters. These are what sheep need. They need a, they need a, a plentiful place to eat. They need a, a safe place to drink. And it is the Lord who provides these things for his sheep. Note the agency of the Lord. He makes me lie down. He leads me, as we'll see in verse 3. He restores. He leads. The Lord is doing this. Again, sheep are prone to wander. 
Sheep are prone to wander. The one who left the, the fold, the one out of the hundred that the shepherd had to go out and seek, the Lord provides for us. He gives us what we need so that we will not be in lack. We need the Lord's provision. We need the Lord's guidance. And of course, we live in a world that greatly confuses wants and needs. Uh, the world wants us to what? Consume, 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 consume. I don't, know, I don't watch commercial TV a lot anymore, uh, but you know, every now and then when I do, there's always a commercial. It's like always trying to sell you the next thing. It's like you just bought a new phone two months ago and now the new model's coming out next month and you got to get this because look, it's got a camera. It's got an extra megapixel and its camera is resolution. You're like, wow, I got to get that extra megapixel or I got to get those extra three or four megs of storage on my phone because my phone now is all of a sudden garbage and crappy now because I need, I got to want, I want. And it's like, get the new thing. Oh, you got a new car? Well, yeah, but the next model's coming out next year. It's be better because it's shinier and look it's got a, a, a you know the way it's beveled and everything it's like consume 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 never be satisfied the Lord wants us to rest in his provision he is our shepherd he will take care of your needs he will take care of your needs we are his both as catechism says here his both in life and in death body and soul how do I navigate the gap between my wants and my needs? There's a word for that. It's called contentment. Contentment. If you will, turn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13, and then 19 and 20. Paul wrote this letter in prison, and it is one of the most joy-filled letters he's written, even though he's in a prison for something he didn't do wrong, and and people are calling him out for it, saying, oh, he's a, he's a crappy apostle because look, why would you want to follow a guy who's in jail and all that stuff? And, and here at the end, he rejoices because the Philippians had supplied his needs. And look at verse 11, chapter 4. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Contentment. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, side note, okay, side note. How many have heard Philippians 4.3 quoted <laughs> stupidly? <laughs> you know, like, you're a high school student and you didn't study for your final exam, but I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not going to, like, by osmosis, dump the information to your head so you can pass the final exam. Sorry, that's not how that verse works. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're not going to jump off the roof of your house and fly. You're going to land with a thud. What are the all things? How to be abased. How to abound. Everywhere in all things. To be full, to be hungry, to abound, and to suffer need. In other words, Paul has learned the secret, and that is to be 
Content in Christ. To know that Christ has got your back whether you are in need or whether your, your barns are full. To whether you are living month to month or whether your bank account is overflowing. Christ provides for your needs in all of these situations. And then verse 19 and 20 of chapter 4. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. How can you rest knowing that the Lord is your shepherd? Because he provides for all of your needs. Whether you are suffering want, whether you are full, whether you are hungry or whether you are are satisfied. He supplies all of your needs. Now finally, let us look at where he leads. That's verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we looked at the Lord is our shepherd. We saw what he provides, which is for all of our needs. Next, we consider where he leads. Now we get a hint of this in verse 2. Right, he lead, uh, Where he leads me beside the still waters. Here we see in verse 3, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, the Lord leads us to what he provides. How do we get what we need? Because the Lord leads us there. He leads us to the green pastures. He leads us to the still waters. He leads us on right paths, the paths of righteousness, the right paths. Shepherds lead their sheep. Again, in John chapter 10, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he says there, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, this is John chapter 10, verse 1, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and what leads them out? And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The shepherd leads a sheep. The shepherd goes out and leads a sheep. He's not leading from behind. He's leading from the front. He is looking for those right paths. He is looking for the ways to go, and he leads us on those right paths. The shepherd leads the sheep. In our case, the shepherd leads us to restoration and righteousness. Two things we so desperately need, right? He leads us beside the still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That word there, restore, means to return, to bring back, to restore, to refresh. And there he restores my soul. That's not just the inner part of us. That speaks of the whole person. It speaks of the whole person. He restores us. There are so many things that weary us, so many things that drain us, so many things that wear us down, but the Lord restores us. The Lord restores us. And then he leads us in the paths of righteousness. The paths of our Lord, our shepherd, are always the right paths. They always lead to the right destination. The Lord will not weary us or tire us, but rather he leads us in the way that we should go blazing the trail ahead of us. I want to look at a couple of passages out of Matthew's Gospel. 
I know some people get like, why are you bouncing around so much? Deal with it. It's been a while, okay? Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. You remember we quoted from Ezekiel 34, right? The the shepherds of Israel, the priests were supposed to lead the people and they were not doing that. And here Jesus, the great shepherd, looks over the masses of the people of Israel and he sees that they were scattered. They were weary. They were tired. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And, And sheep without a shepherd, they do not know the paths of righteousness. They do not know where to find the still waters and the green pastures because they have no one to lead them. And this leads into him saying, pray for the laborers to go into the harvest. So he kind of mixes his metaphors, but he's Jesus, he can do that. And then in chapter 11, at the end of chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus looks out and sees the people are heavy laden. Come all to me, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. These sheep who are scattered, leaderless, come to me, I am the good shepherd. I will give you what? Rest, restoration. He restores my soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Let me be your shepherd. Why? For I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he cares for us. But all that the Lord does is for his name's sake, for him to be glorified. To God alone be the glory. As we bring this to a close. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. You will not want. I will not want. The Lord provides for all of your needs. The Lord leads us in all of the right paths. And we need a shepherd. Right? The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 53 verse 6, All we like sheep have what? Gone astray. We have each gone to his own way. We need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. Without a shepherd, we will be in lack. Without a shepherd, we will not find restoration. Without a shepherd, we will not have any righteousness. We need a shepherd. And again, a couple of things to consider. David, the one who wrote this psalm, was himself a shepherd. In part, that's probably why he was a man after God's own heart. He knew how to care for sheep. He knew what he needed to do. If you remember when uh, he appears before Saul, when he's about to slay uh, Goliath, and he appears before Saul, and he says, Look, when I was out caring for my father's sheep, if a lion came, I beat that sucker down. And if a bear came and tried to eat those, those sheep, I would wrestle that bear and chase him off. I am a shepherd. I know how to protect my sheep. And that's exactly 
God's own shepherd heart. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. But also do not miss, in a sense, an Exodus theme here that you see in Psalm 23. If the Lord is our shepherd, if the Lord is my shepherd, if the Lord is your shepherd, consider what the Lord did for his people back in the Exodus. He led them, right? He led them out of the paths of darkness. He led them to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, with green pastures and still waters. He led them to the promised land to restore their souls. He led them along the right paths, out of slavery, into restoration and provision. And of course, Jesus Christ, who is our great shepherd, who is a greater Moses, a greater David, a greater shepherd, he knows us, calls us by name. He calls you by name, calls me by name. He is also the perfect lamb. Our shepherd is also the lamb who provides for our greatest need, which is our righteousness. He leads us in paths of righteousness. Yes, he himself walked those paths himself. He walked those paths and he then died for us. That righteousness could then be ours by faith. That we can cling to that. That we could find rest for our souls because our greatest need has been satisfied by our great shepherd. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at this beautiful psalm, I pray, Lord, that we recognize the great truth that you are our shepherd. You are my shepherd. That each of us can say that. The Lord is my shepherd. And then the confession that comes from that, I shall not want. I will not lack for any good thing. Because you provide for all of our needs. But more importantly, Lord, you provide for our greatest need which is salvation, which is the forgiveness of sins, which we have through Christ, who himself walked the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, for his name's sake, blazing that trail. Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our great shepherd. Lord, let us cling to him. Let us find our rest in him, rest for our weary souls. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.